From meeting in New York City while pursuing our creative dreams, to working in Hollywood together, to now navigating the adventures of married life and young motherhood. Come along with us as we journey and ask the big questions about identity, faith, and the pursuit of joy. And the small ones, like what are you watching on Netflix? And what do you have for dinner? This is Unraveling the Call podcast. I'm Bridget. And I'm Mackenzie. Join us as we attempt to unravel the call that God has already written on our hearts as we learn to to just just say yes. Today's episode is actually a recording of our book club, which sounds weird, but I can promise you it is the opposite of that because these girls get super raw, super vulnerable, and the reason why we're throwing out that word is because we read Brene Brown's Daring Daring Greatly. (laughs) And if you haven't read it yet put it on your list put it on your list and at least listen to her ted talk about the power of vulnerability you can find that on youtube the best part about daring greatly is what it's about it's about shame and vulnerability you guys when i first heard that i was like what does that even mean i know like i don't carry shame i'm vulnerable yada yada no this lady you guys is a shame researcher who knew we even needed that in this world i guess what we realized reading this book and recording this podcast with the girls is that we all carry it. We all carry shame around. Yeah. Whether it's a small fight with your husband and how you can say sorry or not say sorry. Social media, Mm -hmm. comparing yourself. I mean, the list goes on and on the ways that we attach ourselves to certain things that bring us shame. What are the places that we don't want to be vulnerable? Where Where do we not want to go? Yeah. Where do we not want to go? And let's go there. And we did definitely go there. I, I think we should just share, Bridge, some of the things that really stuck out to both of us yeah. in that session because it, it all happened so fast. They were so willing, so generous with their answers. Vulnerable is living in the light. And so this discussion is a group of women striving to do just that, which is to live in the light and to be wholehearted women. So yeah. without further ado, here are our lovely ladies. How did you find this book? working as a psychologist and she's very like outgoing and charismatic and she was like oh my gosh like Brene Brown you haven't heard of Brene Brown I I didn't really ever think about shame until I went to a Catholic conference with Bridget this Mm -hmm. last fall and actually a nun gave a talk about oh yeah on shame shame. and it was basically this book it was from a nun's (laughs) perspective (laughs) yeah it was crazy it was awesome (laughs) what was was there something she, she said that you loved about? She was like, um, a lot of us fear a relationship with Christ because at the heart of our hearts, we don't feel like we deserve the love that he has, that he offers us and that our faith tells us that he offers us. And so her biggest message was like, it was so hard for her before she became a religious sister to believe that Jesus loved her individually. Like she just felt like that's not true. There's no way he could see me out of everybody in the world. And like, what, what is someone like Jesus, like loving a little old me? And then she started digging in her own thoughts and emotions and realized, Oh, that's shame. Mm -hmm. Like there's something from my childhood that led me to that shame to believe that I'm not worthy of Jesus's love. And then she went on this like personal journey to basically undo that shame i don't think she would say this directly that about shame but it's the enemy it's the devil mm-hmm. whispering in our ears totally. so you're not good enough mm-hmm. she mentioned just about our culture in general that really stuck with me was about how we have this sense of scarcity in our culture mm-hmm. and she said that. something 
about like the first very thought that you have when you wake up in the morning being, I didn't get enough sleep. Mm -hmm. And so you start off your day thinking, not enough, not enough, not Mm -hmm. enough. And just like, it's this waterfall that Mm -hmm. happens. And for me, it's just like, exactly. I've been, I find myself thinking that when I wake up, saying, oh gosh, I just wish I could get more sleep or I've hit my alarm clock like five times. And it's a culture that's like that, that, that hasn't necessarily, doesn't have, I think she says like, it doesn't happen overnight that we get this to the point where there's a scarcity culture. Yeah. But it, continues to be perpetuated by a lot of the things that we like hold near and dear to mm-hmm. our, like the culture which are the things like putting this sense of perfectionism mm-hmm. out on mm-hmm. social media mm-hmm. and that's what we're consuming every day and it's just like this false sense of enough yeah. I think as women too like we always end the day usually thinking I didn't get enough done yeah. like I didn't oh do gosh, that and that's so like so we start the day like you just said yeah. and then we end the day hitting the pillow like why didn't I do that laundry? Oh my gosh, I'm <laughs> such a failure in X, Y, and Z. Something I also found super interesting with the in the in the context of parenting, um, and like I've I've been in counseling for probably about three years now, and something that I found very helpful, like the more I was able to be vulnerable with myself and accept that, like, mm-hmm. okay, I have these faults, I have these insecurities, mm-hmm. I have these things that I need to work on. Mm-hmm. A lot of them. Obviously, I was able to trace back into childhood and be like, well, my parents did this, and so this caused this, and so now I'm like this, and so now I'm really upset with them because they made me, right? Um, And so, like, as I was kind of, like, going through therapy and, like, definitely had to work through those, those wounds that happened because of things that my parents did, um working further through them was also, also gave me, like, an ability to to forgive them because then I was like, okay, well, if I'm, if I feel this way that Mm -hmm. my parents did this to me Mm -hmm. um, and I can accept that they made this mistake and it very much affected me in my life. It made me very much like be able to forgive them and, um, and hurt with them and yeah. And be, and understand that, uh, that they also had their hurts and they also had their wounds, which affected the way that they acted. Um, so I found that very helpful in terms of like, okay, I was sitting there waiting for an apology for years, mm-hmm. and it was like, I, that apology is never gonna, unless the they same also life? do this. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I feel like we might have the same life. <laughs> no, but I, everything you just said is true, one hundred percent. Yeah, and being able to understand that like that's okay as well, mm-hmm. and that like even though they might have done these things, that I'm like I. How could you? Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, it was like, okay, like I know that you, I know that you loved me, and I know that you yeah. would never do something really consciously and willingly to hurt me. So I don't really have parents that maybe, you know, did something outright horrible mm-hmm. to me or you know, mm-hmm. whatever. But I do think at the heart of each of us, we want to be good and we want to make mm-hmm. the right choice, and so it's. It's so confusing, though. Because yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. how do you even... Yeah. I think it's also, like, yeah. crazy to think, like, when Chris and I first got married, like, we went through this, like, navigation. Yeah. That worked for our parents, but it does not work for us. Yeah. Yeah. Same goes for parenting. Sure. You yeah. know, it's yeah. just, like, we don't parent in the way yeah. that both of mm-hmm. our parents do. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, but it's yeah. so freeing to realize, like, oh, my gosh, like, I don't have to do everything the way that they did. It is freeing. From the ways that I was hurt or ways mm-hmm. that, you know, we don't really agree with and, you know, we can 
form our own family now. Exactly. It's very free. Yeah, I think there comes a point, like, you know, in your adult life where you realize, like, my parents are just people, too, and they're yeah, trying yeah, to figure they're it they're out. They're just human beings. And yeah. they're, you know, they're not perfect either. And, you know, you hope that, like, in most cases, they, yeah, they're doing the best that they can. Um, but, yeah, I think you, you eventually realize they didn't have it all figured out, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think you just try, or you want to try to do things a little bit better, you know. Yeah. You hope, and you hope that they hope that, too. You know, yeah. I would at least hope that for my son, like, mm-hmm. if he becomes a parent one day. I hope he's a better parent than I am. When I think of vulnerability, I think of, like, stepping out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And what would hold you back from stepping out of your comfort zone yeah. would be this idea of, like, what if I fail? What if I'm humiliated? What if I'm embarrassed? And then you could go all the way to a whole other end of the spectrum. Fear of initiating sex. Like, as a woman. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, these things come up in so many different ways. Shame is a result of the fall. It's a result of our fallen nature. Um, because if you think of Adam and Eve, they were unclothed in the garden and not aware. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as, you know, Eve took a bite of the apple, gave to Adam, yeah. suddenly they were hiding from God. They were ashamed. And so, at least my understanding of church teaching is that shame is a result of our fallen human nature. I think vulnerability is a few things. She talks about this. She says, saying no, that's a huge one Mm -hmm. Um, for me. Let your yeses be yes and your noes be no. We Mm -hmm. know this is the way, but it's a hard, hard thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Another one she says is starting my own business, and I think... Bridge, we talk about this a lot. Mm-hmm. It's like the fear thing comes into play with that. Um, fear, fear of failure. failure. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it all stems from sh- shame and however that came into your life. My son, I just noticed he had, like, last week, he had his first, like, embarrassing moment where he, like, <laughs> broke something at the store and he looked up at me and the word that I would use to describe his face was, like, ashamed. And <laughs> I had never so seen him look that way. And yeah. I was like, how does he know that he should be mm. embarrassed by this yeah. or feel ashamed? Wait, like, nothing happened Like, nothing this. happened. <sighs> and I didn't reprimand him at the time. And so it just made me start thinking, like, is it just something in us? In us? She talks about perfectionism a lot, mm-hmm. which I'm sure everyone in this room actually struggles with it because being a woman, being a mom, being a wife, you name it, it's mm-hmm. like you want to be that. And she says, if we do things perfectly and look perfect, we can minimize and avoid blame and judgment and shame. But perfectionism is not self-improvement. Perfectionism at its core is about trying to earn approval. Mm-hmm. And she said, this one just kind of killed me. She said, as a kid, I equate being perfect with being loved. Yeah. I still confuse the two. <laughs> I do too. I heard someone say recently, like, um, if you feel like you're competing with someone or, like, you're being compared to someone, whether you're doing the comparison or someone else is, like, if you feel like someone's competing with you, then you're probably competing with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really, yeah. And that really hit me because so I was like, yeah. <laughs> so it's just like, just focus on yourself. When you said that, I just thought like, you know, I think when, like hearing that, I, I think of like myself and, you know, talking about vulnerability, it's hard. It's really humbling to recognize like, you know, you see other people and you perceive like a good in their life, you know, like they have this amount of kids or they're doing this for their career. Mm-hmm. And I think it takes a lot of vulnerability 
to look at your life and see like, okay, I might not have those things, but I'm still happy. I can still be happy with my life and I should be thankful for what I have. Mm -hmm. But that can be really hard when you, you know, you want that. You see that as like a desirable thing, but you have to recognize like, but that's not where I am in my life life. and that's okay. And I think that takes a lot of vulnerability and humility Um, to recognize that and courage yeah Yeah. because then to be happy for them maybe right exactly i think yeah i also think there's moments of vulnerability with yourself where you're like i'm very like i was in the chapel today because we have a little chapel in our office and i never go but today i was just like i need to go like i just feel like i don't know what what is my what are you calling me to do when you're vulnerable with yourself in those moments you can really like ask the Holy Spirit to come to those questions. Sometimes it's not even another person. It's just being vulnerable to you. Mm -hmm. I feel like as like wives and mothers a lot, or just like in general, you have like a picture of like where you see your life, how you see yourself. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think that gets in the way a lot of our vocation because sometimes it matches up with like where you are. Like, okay, yeah, this is exactly what I thought. Mm -hmm. And other times it's not. And it's hard Mm -hmm. to to go to Christ and be like, okay, this is what I want, but this might not be what you want for me because that's yeah. not where I am. Yeah. And that is really, really hard to do <laughs> yeah. sometimes. So hard. When I, my biggest like example to myself that I have to remind myself of, of being willing to be vulnerable in prayer or just to myself is when I discerned that I mistakenly broke up with my husband when we were dating. And I had to do... So you were saying how Navina's work... Okay, Navina's work. Oh, yes. <laughs> I love Navina's stories. I did the 54-day Navina oh. where you do um, 28 days of discerning and then the Thanksgiving. And I was... It was just one of those times... You know, I'm sitting on my bed, I have my journal, and I'm just trying to, like, dump. I'm just trying to be like, why was I afraid? What was I afraid of? Why did I not like him? Why did I think that was a good idea? And it came, it eventually came down to I was trying to find the perfect man to suit my family, to please them, to create this image couple and like perfect couple that would then minister to them because they're very vain people and something that would appeal to them. And my husband um, is of a different race than me, so he was, you know, when I met him, he wasn't even on the like short list. I just didn't even put, you know, he. I never, it never occurred to me. She talks about um, how men have a really hard time. And a lot of times they come up to her after talks and whatnot. And I think of my own husband, I think of all of our husbands and how they have, they have to provide, you know. And I'm sorry to my feminist listeners, but we actually will never understand because it's in their nature, to like worry. you talked about. Um, it is, right? Even if the woman is providing in a way or it's a lot of ways, it's a man's know. nature, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's in them, right? Um, I think a lot of it you are born with. Um, right, we're but all I'll, original sin. We're born with the fallen nature. Like we're, we're gonna mess up. We don't really need Satan's help. He like kicks it into high gear too. Right. I mean, he he comes. He's pretty creative. I mean, he's not creative. 
Okay, sorry, theologians. But <laughs> <laughs> he's opportunistic. He's maybe. opportunistic. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think another cool thing about your story is that I think um, in moments of like massive vulnerability come like the most beautiful outcomes in mm-hmm. life. They do. Like and it wasn't easy getting there. I would talk to my totally. best friend a lot and be like, I feel like I'm going crazy. Mm-hmm. And those were not my words. Those were the words of my, I'm sorry, but they were the words of my mom who would mm-hmm. always be like, you're unorganized. You don't know what you're doing. You can't make a decision. Right. Um, you know, going back and forth in indeci- indecision, blah, blah, blah. So those so like played bro- broken <laughs> records, you know, I was like, what am I, what am I doing wrong? That fear, like mm-hmm. looking stupid or looking like, you know, well, what are people going to think if we get back together? Well, they're going to think, wow, what a cool story. <laughs> I wonder what happened there. <laughs> That's so true. Like you can replay those awful awful things that come up and I can name things that my parents said and they didn't even maybe mean it but they always said I was so dramatic or too sensitive Mm -hmm. and I am sensitive and I am dramatic so but it shows you the power of a parent like the words Mm -hmm. that that they say are so that's why I don't want to go down this rabbit hole but it really (laughs) irks me when people like share messages with children that are just never meant for children's ears explain one bridge like, um, we had a person, a woman email into our office about how disturbed she was because their the book on display at her child's um, library was a picture book um, explaining transgender, the choice to like transition to transgender, like as a child. And it was like a fifth grade reading level book. And she was just distraught. She was just like writing in and saying, what do we do as believers that this is everywhere and it's at eye level for our kids and so to me to get back to both of your points is like the power of the message of a parent or even a mentor like anyone's like just in authority speaking to younger ears and um and just like really like it just, it's hard. It's, it's the most vulnerable, vulnerable time. Yeah. To it's talk about the vulnerability. most vulnerable time. And sadly, vulnerable. they know that, which is why they're which making children's up. books yeah. to start, you know, but indoctrinating. I have to add this caveat because it's, it's been one of the most powerful things in counseling that I've learned and remembered is that this is a very vulnerable time for children. It's a very tender time, I'll say. And the power of the message, as you said, what we say in a positive tone but when we are then vulnerable again and say I'm sorry mm-hmm. that the power of that is incredible oh, to I show a kid how to make a mistake yes. and how to be contrite absolutely in a correct way and to show that it's okay when things go wrong because it, love covers all absolutely you know? It's just been so important because as a parent, you're like, I cannot mess up. No, (laughs) we have to mess up. Back to to that perfectionism thing. Like, Mm -hmm. even today, I can admit this. I texted my husband. I was trying to lay Therese down for a nap, and she would not nap today. The one day I had a lot to do, you know. Mm -hmm. And I, I texted Colin, and I said, I just screamed at your daughter. I said, Lay down, Therese. I need to get work done. (laughs) (laughs) And. She just looked at me with the saddest eyes, and then I thought, oh, Mackenzie, you're about to have a second child. You're horrible. Like, all these things. 
So, <laughs> so I grabbed her because she, she loves you anyway. Every kid does. Yeah. And I held her. I took a uh, selfie to send to Colin, and I said, "I'm teaching our daughter forgiveness <laughs> of ourselves." Aww. And I said, "I'm sorry. I yelled at you." Oh. Because it's true. Mm-hmm. I can't. I always complain. Sorry, mom. Like, yeah. can you really be sorry? Or are you ever really wrong? You know, I think yeah. that's oh, a mom yeah. thing. It, it, Honestly, totally. it's not my mom. It's I think it's mothers. It yeah. It's mothers. So to, I love that you said that, the power of saying you're sorry. And for the kid to see you say sorry to your spouse. We mm-hmm. talked about yeah. the bridge. Yeah. Like when oh, you're wrong. Totally. Like, sorry, honey. Like, ooh, that's And they notice. Like, I mm-hmm. totally see Colby watching for, like, kissing or hugging. He's like. What are you doing over there? <laughs> so I can only imagine if it's not a kiss or a hug, he's looking to what are you doing? He's like, oh, why are you what's going in your voice at each other? I'm scared. Is that okay to do? Right. I feel like some of my favorite examples from the book were the parental examples of her mm. talking with her kids and like going through that exact like conversation. Like I messed up or the kids are going through something tough and she's teaching them to differentiate um, those thoughts about, wow, I just failed this test at school. I'm a failure mm-hmm. versus <laughs> no, you, f- you, you messed up on a test, okay. but you are okay. Mm-hmm. And I like st- differentiate. Yeah. I still love you. And differentiating between those two was like so, so profound yeah. because it's mm-hmm. so easy to start associating. I'm like dumb. I'm dumb. Yeah. I failed. Mm-hmm. Right. I, this, I, that. Yeah. And it's like, no, that's, that's the wrong totally. association. Yeah. It's you are still okay but you might have done something that wasn't perfect or something that was wrong or right. you may have, yeah, failed the test. Learned. But that it does not make you a, fail, a failure. Yeah. 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 I also really like in that parenting chapter, there was one point that she was talking about like raising wholehearted children. And she was saying, how can you raise wholehearted children if you're not wholehearted? I love that. Every time, like it, what I really liked is she was just like, every time you see your kids, you should greet them with a smile. And that mm-hmm. goes not just for your kids, but like, for your spouse yeah. and it's just like how many like how often does it change your day when somebody just smiles at you mm-hmm. or like it's, so it's simple. also like it's so easy to like see a kid making a mess and being like oh my gosh like freaking out or like having a rough day and then your husband comes home and just like not smiling at him but it does like make a huge difference change everything you see that one of the reasons why we wanted to see if you guys would be comfortable having this um book club session be a podcast is because we noticed right away that you guys are a group that are very comfortable with being vulnerable like mm-hmm. before we even talked about this book at all like we noticed the conversations that we get to have together are like we've just opened up to each other mm-hmm. and multiple people in this room have you know openly admitted like I've needed therapy at times I've needed mm-hmm. counseling I myself have gone um and I've been pretty open about it because I've realized when I'm open and I share those things, then it like yeah. opens up someone else to say, mm-hmm. well, I want to share this. And then when people share, it's like all of a sudden we've all become like these vulnerable selves that it feels freeing. Like you said, like, oh, I can just like lay that down. Like, mm-hmm. like they know and I trust them mm-hmm. and, um, and we're all here for each other. So thanks for being vulnerable mm-hmm. with us yeah. guys. Oh. Okay. I was thinking... Since Mackenzie's due in like what a week or something, oh, thinking yes. we could all just um, go around and just say a quick prayer for Mackenzie so for a speedy delivery, healthy baby. Any words of wisdom that we want to pass along? So, yeah, if you guys are down for that, I'll go ahead and start. Okay, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for all these women that are here and who've opened their hearts 
and have been vulnerable with us. Please bless um, Mackenzie as she is about to embark on a labor journey for her second child. Um, please let her feel strong and capable and ready and and just have her know in her heart of hearts that she's prepared for this moment. Um, and that baby's gonna come out beautiful and healthy and everything that she's been praying and imagining, um, boy or girl, since she doesn't know. <laughs> um, and please bless Therese and Colin um, that their transition um, as a family is just really a beautiful one. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing on Mackenzie and their family as they welcome a new life um, into their midst. We ask that you give um, Mackenzie peace, um, especially during um, what we hope is a very speedy uh, labor and delivery. And uh, Blessed Mother, watch over her, inspire her, and give her the strength that she needs um, to be the best mother that she can. And we ask this in your name. Uh, my prayer for Mackenzie is these last couple weeks, give or take, of uh, her special time with tea, just tea, um, that uh, she has peace going into um, mom of two and um, knowing that her time with tea isn't ending, but it's only getting more special. Uh, <laughs> it's only getting more special because she gets to see tea um, as a loving big sister to her new uh, little brother or sister. So um, please give Mackenzie and Colin and tea the grace as they transition to this new <laughs> I know we're all like crying. <laughs> Enough, everybody. <laughs> I can't take it. <laughs> Thank you for the prayers. Well, guys, I don't know if you heard the vulnerability in there, but we had some tears for sure. And wow. That was awesome. It was so awesome. Just to end the podcast, I thought it would be cool to share The Man in the Arena by Theodore Roosevelt because it was Brene Brown's inspiration, one of her inspirations to write the book, um, and it just really spoke to all of us. So, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could ever could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error or shortcoming. But who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself for a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of the high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who knew neither victory nor defeat. Damn. <laughs> Doesn't that just make you drop want to the mic? Go dare greatly. I really want to name a kid Theo after that. <laughs> Wait, that's a great name. Is that a good name?